Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. Go law enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. Welcome to the Go Law Enforcement Podcast, brought to you by GoLawEnforcement.com. I'm your host, Joe Lebowski. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, GoLawEnforcement.com features the largest listing of law enforcement job openings. Check out GoLawEnforcement.com. Noriko Huriuchi is a special agent with the U.S. Diplomatic Security Service in Santiago, Chile. In this episode of the Go Law Enforcement Podcast, Asian Horiuchi discusses a case of illegal ivory trafficking and what it's like to be on the protective detail for the U.S. Secretary of State. My name is Noriko Horiuchi. I'm a special agent currently posted as the regional security officer in Santiago, Chile. In every U.S. embassy and most of the consulates, I believe it's like 270 or 275 U.S. embassy consulates overseas has at least one regional security officer, a special agent. And basically, we are the chief security advisor to the chief of mission or the U.S. ambassador and to the embassy. And we run many programs to protect the building, the information that's inside the building, as well as the people who are there. And then also, we are the chief security liaisons with the host nation security counterparts. It's a multifaceted job, a lot of program management. But as special agents, we still do investigations. We work with other U.S. law enforcement agencies that are at the embassy as well. U.S. embassy is usually at the capital of that country. So I'll just take my example of where I am now. I'm located in Santiago, Chile at the U.S. Embassy in Santiago. So the Santiago is a capital and there's one U.S. Embassy. Santiago, Chile does not have other U.S. consulates. So, for example, a bigger U.S. presence is, uh, let's take Mexico. So Mexico City is the capital, so the embassy is there. We also have consulates out in uh, Tijuana or Hermosillo and other locations. So some countries have one embassy and they might have multiple consulates. What has been the highlight of my career overseas as an RSO, which is very unique, it's something that I haven't done in every single post, but when I was the RSO in U.S. Embassy Togo, which is in West Africa, I didn't know where Togo was. So for those of you who are listening, who are saying, where in the world is Togo, (laughs) which is exactly what I said, it's located right next to Ghana. It was a very small embassy. And myself and the assistant RSO, we were the only two law enforcement officers. So I did have a very interesting case. I worked with my fellow embassy partners on a ivory wildlife trafficking case several years ago. For this wildlife trafficking case, the economics officer at the U.S. Embassy, who's also a science officer, he had some friends that were going to air a story about wildlife trafficking that was based out of Togo. So we got tips on that, and they were going to film this one individual. His name is Nbuke. We did not know who he was, but they were afraid that once they were going to film him, that he would be a flight risk. So I got the information and told my local host nation uh, police counterparts and said, hey, this guy may be conducting illegal business from his store. It could be illegal ivory. And in Togo, purchasing and selling ivory is illegal. They do have a, a law there. 
So basically, the Togolese police arrested him, and then they found about 1,500 or so pounds of illegal ivory products and all the receipts and all of the business conducting paperwork for the past about like 20, 30 years. So that was a gold mine. And so that's how it started. And we sort of tracked all of his worldwide contacts and it became a huge case and he was illegally trafficking these goods. So he was arrested and it went through the Togolese police and Togolese investigative and the courts system and he was arrested and he sat in jail for two years. So that's a really great ending and story. But through that process, the most interesting and important aspect of what we do as RSOs and that bilateral relationship uh, with host nation security, the interesting part was that Togo didn't have the forensics to get information off of his computer and analysis of the ivory that he was actually trafficking or selling. We had to ask a couple of things in the investigation that really made it a U.S. government and international interagency investigation, which makes this case so interesting, is that I had to contact multiple people because, A, to find out what the age of the ivory, because there are rules and laws that govern how old the ivory should be before they are able to be sold. The ivory trafficking case continued and the case kind of grew on its own because as I found out what I'm supposed to do as far as what to do with the ivory and to meet this regulation, which says any kind of ivory, if the elephant is older than 1989, it's okay. But if they're younger, then you're not supposed to be selling or or obviously killing those elephants. Uh, So I needed help from U.S. Fish and Wildlife. I needed help to obtain the DNA. And then there's only like two or three places where they actually can do the isotope testing for the ivory. So I had to get that help and then needed to get Interpol involved as far as finding out where it's since it was an international connection of all of his sellers and buyers of, of ivory. And then also on the U.S. Fish and Wildlife side, once we got the evidence back, I had to make sure the federal court in Togo would accept that as evidence, key evidence to put Mbuke behind bars. So I had to make sure that the evidence that I was able to keep the chain of custody and they allowed me as a U.S. federal agent. So that was able to be accepted within the court of law. Otherwise, Mbuke would not have been in jail. When I was on the Secretary of State's protective detail, it was Secretary Condoleezza Rice. And then right at the transition when Secretary Hillary Clinton came on board, it's based out of Washington. And so there's a lot of those cars with sirens and black cars going passing back and forth, the agents with the sunglasses and the wire piece coming out of their ear. That's totally all true. That's the glamorous side, of course. And we travel overseas with the Secretary We might go ahead of time to do the advanced work to prepare for the trip. So that does allow us to travel all over the world, which dozens of of countries. However, there are the realities of it it as well. When we're in D.C. and when we're not traveling, we are still conducting protection for our Secretary of State. So that might involve working, you know, late hours, you know, midnight shifts. We have to do paperwork. So obviously, there's a lot of non-glamorous part, but we are with the chief diplomat of our U.S. government. It's a very exciting job, for sure. And I kind of miss it already, thinking about it. It was a lot of fun, for sure. 
when I was on the secretary's detail, and this was with Secretary Condoleezza Rice, we were in Sweden and I was on the, the plane team. So I got there and we always go for a run when we arrive at a, at a location just to sort of see the place and get on the local time zone. So after we came back from this amazing run, came back and noticed all these like amazing, cool neon color Ferraris right out or Lamborghinis right outside the hotel where we were staying. And, uh, you know, much, much cooler looking than our boring limos. And we were like, wow, who's here? Who knows? Somebody famous is here. <laughs> so we were in the store and apparently this, the Van Kiss was staying in the hotel as well. I, I, I wouldn't notice any of them. And I, apparently they weren't wearing any makeup, but one of our guys said, hey, you're so-and-so. And, and they're like, hey, are you with this, this VIP that's in the building? And we're like, yeah, sort of. Then the secretary also found out that this, the band was staying in the building and, you know, they're American. So she actually met up with them and they, she did a quick interview and they were talking about music. And uh, so that night, a bunch of us hung out with the band and took pictures and, and had a great time. So that's interesting, fun times that we would have only uh, because we were on the Secretary's Diesel traveling overseas. Providing protection for major events, which includes the Olympics, Pan American Games, World Cup for our men and women's team, it does involve a lot of planning by multi-agencies in our government. So State Department, Diplomatic Security is, is not the only one. We do head the coalition, let's just say, of all of the U.S. government agencies that come together to conduct this, this operation. You probably want to hear the fact that, yes, we get to hang out with Michael Phelps or some very famous athletes, but all of our teams are important for us. And we do keep close contact with every team. We are there when they're practicing. We are there when they're competing. So we do send agents down to these major events. Now, for example, for Rio, we had multiple agents that we sent down to Rio. We had agents assigned to other teams. We worked with the regional security office, the regional security officer as well, to work with host nations. So the, in this case, Rio, local police unit to obtain their um, support as well. So it's, it really is a very big operation. And being with the athletes is really not the only thing that we do. At the operations center, we collect daily threats, any kind of threats against our, our athletes, threats against other American interests. So we're calculating all of that, compiling those reports and um, sending those up to Washington. So a lot goes on that involves the overall protection of our U.S. teams, but also making sure that we are aware of everything that's going on in Rio, especially at all the venues, the Olympic Village where the athletes are staying. I think there's Team USA venues. So there's multiple venues on the ground as well. So we have to do protection of those venues. So it is a very multifaceted, large uh, operation. One of our jobs that we have to do prior to arriving at post, and post what I mean is the city that we would go to or the embassy, we would have to get language training. In addition to the language training, we do have the cultural training as well to make sure that we understand this new culture that we're going to be living in, mostly two to three years. And then there's also specific training for regional security officers as well. We have other security-related uh, trainings that we would have to do depending on which post that you go to. So there's a lot of preparation that goes on. 
When I was living in Afghanistan, Kabul in a war zone definitely is challenging and every day is definitely challenging. It is a war zone. If you've never lived on a compound where you cannot leave, it's definitely hard because you can't leave unless you have a protective detail. The benefit of being in the regional security office when we are serving in a war zone like Kabul, Afghanistan, we do provide the protective detail for the rest of the embassy and those officers that have to go out and that they need protective details. We we do get to get out of this compound more often, but not every single agent. So in that respect, I personally did get out quite a bit because I was on the ambassador's protective detail. So I was able to travel around Afghanistan a little bit more than others, which was amazing and dangerous at the same time. My family is here with me in Santiago, Chile. I do have a baby that I had right at the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, lucky baby that mom was home all the time, but not so lucky for mom who had to work uh, from home. So it's been very tough. In the Foreign Service, obviously, many, many, many people travel the world, uh, live overseas, work in the embassies with children. There's obviously pros and cons, but I, I'm going to focus on the pros, which I believe is the language. The kids get to learn all of these multiple languages. My kids are, are learning Spanish with a Chilean accent. It's really cute. And just from going to school, from friends, it sounds glamorous what we do as domestic special agents or overseas regional security officers. But the lifestyle is hard, and I don't think it is for everybody. I think if you are considering being a special agent with the diplomatic service, and then you know we're also foreign service specialists and officers within the U.S. Department of State, you have to be ready to accept the fact that you will be moved around the world or back to the U.S. for several years, and then you're going to move again. So every two to three years, you have to uproot everybody, all your things, your pets as well. We have a dog, and our dog is born in Spain. We adopted her in France while we were living in Switzerland, Geneva. We took her back to D.C., and then we went to Togo, so she was in Africa. And then after that, we went to D.C., and now she's in Chile. If you are interested in this career as a special agent with the Diplomatic Security Service, the difference between the DS special agent law enforcement officers with other domestic law enforcement um, agencies is that we have to live overseas and we have a diverse group of agents. And we're not only always looking for people with police background or security background or military background. What makes us unique and interesting is the fact that we come from any kind of background. We've had bankers, we've had teachers, we have all kinds of people. And I think that's what is interesting because the hard skills, shooting guns or these high threat skills, those can be learned and physical fitness, those can be done, but we can't teach people how to manage, be a leader, be able to see things in international ways. So we look for people who have the capacity to do that. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, check out the largest listing of law enforcement jobs on golawenforcement.com. Thanks for listening.